0: The Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House. It's Fest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. 5 com.
1: Well, Mr. Klein, that was a rather eventful weekend for uh, numerous different reasons. Oh? If you are interested in what either Pinder, uh, Pinder or I have to say about what happened over the weekend with Don Cherry? We'll address it after 2 o'clock. That's uh, when we will get into it when Pinder and Steinberg kicks off. We'll each say our piece, and, and that'll be that. Not a whole lot of point right now in reading our text line. Um, so that'll be coming up after 2 o'clock if you're interested. But that wasn't the only thing that happened over the weekend. I mean, obviously, that was a huge piece of news. And 24 hours later, people are still absolutely buzzing about it. But the Flames and Blues played a really entertaining game on Saturday night. Game I think the Flames can absolutely learn from. The Stampeders get pumped at home in the West Division semifinal. What a Monday night football game we had yesterday. There's no more unbeaten teams in the NFL after San Francisco uh, falls 27-24 to the seattle seahawks to close out week 10 that was um take take the don cherry stuff out of it for a second and that was a pretty eventful weekend my friend
2: yeah that was crazy and if uh if you're into that sort of thing adding on lsu alabama on uh, on saturday what afternoon as well was.
1: that was unreal Oh. So good. And I don't mind seeing Nick Saban lose one bit.
2: No, I'm pretty no, okay I with uh, watching by me. watching mental error after mental error from a, a Nick Saban-coached football team. I enjoyed the heck out of that. So, yeah, this was a great weekend. As you mentioned, the Flames, the, the CFL playoffs, not just the Stam Theaters, but that East final was crazy as well. Uh, NFL Sunday. Not a lot of great uh, football played, but uh, pretty wild games as well. And then the Monday night or two, it was quite the long weekend for sure for sports Uh, fans.
1: Okay, so let me start with the West Division semifinal at McMahon Stadium. I I chose the Stamps to win. I think we both had the Stamps on Friday. I think we both had the Stamps to win this game. I I would not have been surprised. Like, I I did not go into the weekend saying there's no way the Bombers could win. I wouldn't have been surprised had the Bombers won that game. What I was stunned by, what did shock me, was the fact that one of these teams blew the other out. That's one thing I did not see coming. I thought the Stamps were going to win a close, hard-fought, grinded-out type of game. I did not see the Stamps blowing out the Bombers. I had the Bombers could very easily win the same type of football game because I saw these teams so close. But to see the Bombers blow the Stamps 27 nothing in the second half, like that's something that by no means did I see coming, and that was my biggest stunner. I'm not stunned the Bombers won. The Bombers are a good football team, and they have been all year long. But for the Bombers to win like that and to do it at McMahon Stadium and to force Bo Levi Mitchell into three interceptions and to rack up almost 200 yards on the ground, yeah, that is what stunned me on Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah, to to make Bo look the way they made Bo look at McMahon Stadium in a playoff game That's not a bow we have seen before. Even when he was just working his way back from injury, that wasn't a bow we had seen before. That was a phenomenal game plan uh, from Winnipeg defensively. And we were worried about how much effect Corey Streveler's injury would have. Uh, I guess when you're freezing an ankle playing in minus 20 helps because it didn't look like he was feeling any problems with what is reportedly a broken foot. It was a tremendous yeah, performance. Yeah,
1: but when, when your foot's in a skate, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's only when you take your fo- Oh, this isn't hockey. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is crazy. To it's unbelievable. To and just, like, running. Like, he's,
2: no offense to the guy, not much of a thrower, that uh, that streveler. Well, it,
1: he didn't it, throw the ball once. No, didn't have to. Ran it. To, that, that is the craziest part. Because I talked to a couple of people on the Stampeders. Uh, leading into the game on Sunday and even even leading into the home-and-home home they had with the Bombers uh, prior to the playoff game and and talking to a couple of people you know, who who are involved in some of these conversations, they knew exactly what to expect from Streveler if he got into the game on Sunday. They knew that he wasn't coming in to throw the football. They knew that any time he was in there, it was 99% a design-run play They knew he was coming right at them, and he still powered through the middle of that Stampeders defense over and over and over again. That is what was the most impressive part about Streveler, is that one of the CFL's best defenses knew exactly what was coming at them and it still happened for me. For me, you're just like, Chris Streveler, you are an animal. And he was an animal in the second half.
2: Yeah. If you think about trying to shut down the run game, you think about Andrew Harris. And I, I thought they did an okay job of bottling him up. But that's because Winnipeg didn't need him. It, it was Streveler, especially in that second half. And just the once the turnover started, they couldn't stop for, for the Stamps. That, that was a surprising part for me. And now uh, I think you look at what's left in the CFL. Edmonton with an impressive performance against Montreal. The Ticats, the best team in the league. Saskatchewan playing at home, and if they make it to the Grey Cup, I would imagine we'll have somewhat of a home-field advantage in that game. (laughs) Um, And you look at Winnipeg, I think right now, all four teams legitimately have a shot of winning the Grey Cup. And I get obviously they do because they're still in the playoffs and like literally they do. But just if (laughs) you you said any, explain. (laughs) explain. (laughs) No, I I've seen the text line. Yes, I do. Um,
1: That's not a place you want to be looking today. (laughs) No, it's not.
2: But I can't stop. Uh, But no, if any of four of these teams are hoisting the Grey Cup here in Calgary in 12 days, I am not going to be stunned.
1: I'm completely with you. Also,
2: just quickly, someone on the text line calling us out for it and I, I meant to mention it and I didn't. was just
1: about to go there too but you go
2: yeah uh, shout out to the, uh, the Calgary Dinos for a, a win as well they now get ready for the Mitchell Bowl next weekend that uh, another big part of the, uh, the sports weekend especially here in Calgary and honestly uh, don't talk about it a lot I, I do wish you sports were bigger in this country as someone who spent a lot of Saturday watching American college football. Um, but yes, a shout out to the Calgary Dinos for
1: sure. Uh, McMaster and the University of Calgary Dinos will play at McMahon Stadium in the Mitchell Bowl. Uh, a big win. For the UFC in the Hardy Cup now the Mitchell Bowl as they try to get back to the Vanier Cup uh, so good on the University of Calgary back to the Mitchell Bowl they go they'll take on McMaster on Saturday that is a one o'clock kickoff at McMahon Stadium if you're looking for uh, some outstanding football played in this city no there won't be a West Final appearance for the Calgary Stampeders there will be a Mitchell Bowl appearance for the University of Calgary hey welcome to the program Steinberg show is underway on a Tuesday that feels very much like a Monday. Uh, Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein along with you uh and we are live from our basement systems downtown studio on this tuesday afternoon steinberg show is brought to you by fifth avenue auto house that was a lot of fun at the scotia bank saddle dome on saturday night the defending stanley cup champions looked very much like the defending stanley cup champions in a game against the calgary flames and as we switch topics and bring in our first guest of the program let's bring you back to saturday night at the dome it's time for the game in a minute
3: Good evening hockey fans and welcome inside Scotiabank Saddle in Calgary for a Saturday night showdown between David Riddick and the 10-7-2 Calgary Flames and Jordan Binnington and the defending Stanley Cup champion 11-3-3 St. Louis Blues. Sunkist comes up the right side and tries sh- the shot as it blocked. Now it's loose in front. Sunkist up. Barbashev scores. Fraud blocks into the circle and drops. O'Reilly shoots and scores body centers it, Kachuk in front, SCORES! Finally, it took them 50 minutes and 59 seconds, but the Flames get on the scoreboard. Matthew Kachuk makes it 2-1. Gets the blue, blue line, tries to chip it in and does. Bounces it behind the net, he gets it back, shoots and SCORES! What a goal by Travis Hamanick! He does it all by himself! And the Flames have battled back to tie this game at two. Steps into the high slot and drops. Perron shoots and scores. David Perron ends this game in overtime. And T.J. Brody saving the penalty box. He snaps a shot by David Riddick. And the Blues stretch their winning streak to seven games. The Flames do pick up an important point, though battling back in the third period down 2-0. They tie it at two but lose. 3-2 in overtime tonight. Your
1: Game in a Minute brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. As we uh, talk some flames on the Steinberg Show this afternoon, let's welcome in our buddy Ryan Pike from FlamesNation.ca. Hello, Mr. Pike.
4: Hey, Pat. How you doing?
1: I'm good, brother. What, uh, what did you make? What were your takeaways from Saturday night against the St. Louis Blues?
5: Well, uh, I know it didn't really show up on the scoreboard, but I thought they played a lot better than they did against New Jersey. I think it's... Uh, The quality of the competition sometimes masks some improvements. And granted, the the Blues sort of sat back a bit in the third period, as you imagine a a team with a two-goal lead on the road would. But I I was impressed by the Flames' ability to sort of of, face a good team and take it to them uh, when points were on the line. And, you know, I I don't think it was quite highway robbery the way uh, that game early against the Kings at home was when they got a point in the game. They definitely did not deserve to get any. But in this one, like, they just figured out ways to – eke out a, a point and I think I the in the season points like this could be huge
1: so I I came away from that game and and I thought that you know St. Louis was was probably the team that controlled for a good five sixth of it it wasn't dominant and I thought the Flames were right there with them like it wasn't a but I I just felt like St. Louis was the slightly better team for you know good chunk of that game but a nice push from the Flames in the third period and I came away from hey as a learning experience I think the Flames can take a little bit in the early stages. Okay, that's what a defending Stanley Cup champion plays like in the early stretches of the season. That's what an elite team plays like. And and I think it can – learning experience may be the wrong word, but maybe just a, a an eye-opener is like, okay, that's the level that we're going to need to get to as the season moves along because that was a high-level St. Louis performance, I thought.
5: Yeah, and I think if you look at the goals the Flames gave up, you know – uh, oh, you know, Bill Peters sort of outlined them uh, in the posting media conference, the, the kill they gave up were on, you know, their own kind of self-inflicted wounds. They're their own kind of uh, mistakes coming back to haunt them. And I think that's sort of been a common trait of the flames this season where, you know, they, they play pretty well for the most part, but they just have a few bad habits that creep into their game. It's a long time. and so end up deciding games or, you know, if they don't decide the games. They make wins much more labor intensive than they need to be.
1: Yeah. What is it about this team in the third period, though? That was almost a fourth, third period comeback win this season. They end up losing in overtime to the St. Louis Blues. But why is this team so dangerous in period number three? And it's not just this season.
5: I think some parts of it is the desperation i think some parts of it is the adjustments they make uh you know under this head coach the flames are much more adept at making in-game adjustments i know uh, jeff ward is one of the guys that contributes to that uh, i believe marty Gellman does that too from from up on high but they i think they're better at adjusting to stylistic and systemic traits that their opposition has uh you know even if you look at look at the goal uh, the first goal against st louis you know st louis is doing a great job at bottling up uh, the backline line for pretty much two thirds of that game, but it was just a case of you know a couple of nice plays uh, made within that system by Manji, Penny, and uh, and Kachuk really opened up space for both them to maneuver and allowed them to get that shot off the, to get on the scoreboard. And I think the the team is very good at those kind of adjustments. Uh, and you know, compared to his predecessor, Bill Peters is much more you know ready to you know cut lines down to shuffle up lines. Uh, typically, if the Flames are losing, you probably don't really see the fourth line at all. Uh so I think that's one of the things that he does he doesn't just roll lines and hope guys figure it out. He, you know, shuffles things up and says, okay, here are the nine guys that have it going. Let's just go with them and see what happens. And I think, you know, that kind of thing makes it abundantly clear to I think the players and the team, you know, if even if a game, you know, is going along and uh, the players aren't all feeling it. If you're one of the better nine guys, you're probably going to get a lot of ice time in the third period. And I think it creates a nice little bit of internal competition during the games.
1: Since the beginning of last year, since Bill Peters joined the Flames, Calgary has 11 third period comeback wins, which is tied for most in the NHL. And if you go all the way back to that find a way flame season of 14 and the Flames have 34 of those type wins, which is also number one in the NHL. There's something there. It goes beyond luck and, and good fortune. There's no doubt about it. Ryan, pikes with us from FlamesNation.ca. so 20 games in essentially a quarter of the way through the season i think technically the quarter mark will be passed in the first period of uh, tomorrow's game against the dallas stars but essentially a quarter of the way through the season how would you evaluate what you've seen through 20 games
5: uh if i was grading them uh for letter grade i'd say c plus b minus uh the goaltending has been incredible the power the penalty kill has been very very good uh the defense at times isn't pretty good, but I think just systemically, you know, we haven't seen enough consistency from pretty much any group on the ice to really give them more than, you know, that kind of a middling grade. Uh, the power play has sort of been up and down. Uh, they're playing their own zone has been up and down. Uh, they've been dangerous in the offensive zone when they can get there. But I think the problem for them is you spend so much time, you know, muddling around the defensive zone, working on your breakouts. And when it doesn't really work out you're hemmed in, you don't really have a lot of energy to get in the offensive zone. So I think far too often we've seen pretty much every line get hemmed in their own end for too long, finally break out of the zone. And then they spent 45 seconds in their own end trying to get out and they just have to dump it in and uh, go for a line change. And, you know, heck that, that does great things for the flow of the game too. So uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of things worked on. I think if, if you're an optimist, let's be honest, uh, the, I think it's it's not unfair to say that they're very unhappy with sort of their consistency, uh, t- probably to a man in that room. And I think uh, the nice thing for them is they haven't really been clicking on all cylinders. You can make a case that they haven't really been clicking on many cylinders, and they're still over 500 through a quarter of the season. And I think as they figure stuff out, I think uh, it will give them a nice little base to build off of.
1: I wrote about this at FlamesNation.ca this morning. It's up right now. The eye suggests that Johnny Gaudreau has been struggling through 20 games. The numbers really drive that home. What are you seeing with Johnny Gaudreau? What have your observations been through his first quarter of the season?
5: I'll go back to uh, the phrasing that uh, Bill Peters and uh, – actually, I think it was a Bradford Living phrasing from a couple summers ago. Just the idea that uh, relying on too few to do too much. I think the challenge right now is – it seems like Johnny Goudreau is trying to do everything himself. Uh, he's he's a tremendous player. He's an absolute game-breaker. But I think right now, if you look at sort of what he's doing right now and what uh, other lines are doing, I think specifically Matthew Kachuk – uh, Matthew Kachuk's been a fantastic game breaker for the group this year because he uses his line mates so well. And I think he's, I think when he's on the ice, him and his line mates really adjust what they're doing to facilitate the strengths of each other. Uh, Johnny Goudreau is typically the guy who always carries the puck in. And I think, you know, pretty much everybody who watches enough Flames hockey has sort of seen the, the Johnny button hook where he sort of gets into the offensive zone uh, well ahead of everybody else because he's faster than everybody else. He gets to the top of the circles, looks around, realizes that the, the middle lane is sort of cut off and he doesn't really have anywhere to pass to. He does a button hook to sort of wait out for, for the reinforcements to come. And then by the time they do come, he's completely isolated himself from the ice because of how fast he is and how much he's gotten ahead of everybody else. Whereas even looking on the goal that, uh, that Kachuk scored uh, against uh, St. Louis in the third period, you have Mangiapani carrying up the puck. There's a little bit of separation behind the left, not, you know, a huge amount, but, the cool thing with Manji Pani carrying it in is, you know, people know that Kachuk's the offensive driver in that line. So instead of really fixating on Manji Pani coming into the zone, they have commit to covering Manji Pani because they're waiting for Kachuk to get in. So it gives Manji Pani a little bit of room and it gives Kachuk a little bit of room. And but those two guys, if you give them a little bit of room, they'll do a lot with it. And I think the challenge is because Goudreau is such the focal point, obviously, on the, on his line they don't really need to have to commit to anybody else. They can just completely commit to him because the other two guys mm-hmm. on the line for better or for worse, simply aren't the drivers on them.
1: The other two things I just wanted your observations on. And uh, again, if you want a little bit more on Johnny Gaudreau, uh, there's, there's a piece up at FlamesNation.ca today. Had I told you in September that David Riddick will start 16 of the first 20, and maybe we'll find out tomorrow. Seventeen of the first twenty-one. What would your response have been? Hmm. Has he won have won be- a lot of those games. Would you have? Would you have believed me? How's that? Ah, uh,
5: I probably would, but it, a lot of it sort of depend on the situations. Uh, you know, like I think uh, looking back on the previous twenty games, uh, in probably I'd say two thirds of them, he's been the, the Flames' best player, the guy holding them in the games. Uh, you know, even in the losses, you can make a case that, you know, half the losses he's had, he's been their best player and you don't really want to take him out when he's feeling good. On the other hand, it sort of leaves poor Cam Talbot sort of sitting on the bench reading, a you know, a mystery novel and waiting to get in. So, uh, I'd be, I'd be surprised if he told me this at training camp, but based on the way he's played, it's hard to really argue against the decision-making so far.
1: And a final thought for you, you just talked about Andrew Manjapani and I know you put this out on Twitter yesterday. We've seen a lot of, of Milan Lucic on the second power play unit. And, and I'm, not, I'm not even trying to be critical of Lucic on the second power play unit because I think at times it has been effective. Uh, but one thing that you and I are on the same page about is it would be interesting to see that Manjapati player, uh, that, that Mr. Andrew guy getting an opportunity on that second power play unit because I, I think we're both on the same page. There's, there's some heavy offensive upside there.
5: Oh yeah, definitely. And I think if it's a choice between Manjipani and Lucic, I think between his speed, between his ability to make passes you know, quickly and his ability to get the puck off quickly in, in tight quarters, I think Manjipani is a great fit for the power play. Uh, if it's a choice between having Lucic and maybe someone else, I'd be willing to consider it because you know, bless his heart. I haven't really loved uh, Sam Bennett on the second power play unit this year. And I think, you know, at this point they have probably about eight forwards. They are thinking about using in that group. Uh, they have used, you know, they they had Austin Zarnik who is at the time a fourth liner before he got hurt before he, you know, he moved, moved up the rotation a little bit, but you know, Andrew manager, Penny and, and Austin Zarnik and a bunch of other guys who are sort of the, you know, the complimentary guys. They've all been getting looks there because I think uh, much like last season, the flames haven't really had a lot of clicking. So if it's not clicking, I can kind of see them maybe shuffling up the deck and just picking names out of a hat. And one of the names they better pick is Manjipani because he's been so good at even strength that I think he deserves the chance to do it. Good stuff, Piker.
1: We'll talk to you again next week. See you tomorrow at the game. You, That's Ryan Pike of FlamesNation.ca on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar hotline. Same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. As we are underway on the Steinberg Show, top of the hour, Pinder and Steinberg. And don't forget that Mr. Pinder is taking part in Movember. We're trying to get those donations up because all the funds raised during Movember uh, go to men's health, specifically prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, and suicide prevention. Uh, through the Mustache is Grown and the Conversations Generated, 1,250 men's health projects have been funded globally, nearly 300 right here in Canada. If you'd like to donate to Pinder's Movember campaign, the website mobro.co slash RyanPinder960. One more time, mobro.co slash ryan 960 pinder 960 of things getting a little more noticeable it was pretty sad for a little bit i'm curious to see what progress mr pinder has made over the weekend we're talking fantasy football next with your number one waiver wire pickup for week 11 and our fantasy expert says it's not even close andy mcnamara joins us around the corner as the steinberg show is underway sportsnet 960 the fan
0: The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com.
1: Our fantasy expert, Andy McNamara from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca has his number one waiver wire pickup for week 11 in the NFL in just minutes. As We welcome you back to the program. Pat Steinberg along with you. We welcome Andy to the program. Before we get to week 11, fans. Fantasy, though, we got to talk some CFL with Mr. McNamara. He is our fantasy analyst and the host of Third and Long across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Mr. McNamara, uh, your thoughts on semifinal Sunday and the CFL here in Calgary. I'm still stunned that the Bombers did what they did to the Stampeders. Not stunned the Bombers won, stunned that they outscored them 27-0 in the second half. How shocking was that for you?
4: Oh, yeah, Pat, it was, uh, I was blown away, to be honest. I fully expected Calgary to, one, win, and, two, certainly not in the manner that they lost. Like if they, Okay, if it, if it happened that they went down, yeah, maybe last-minute field goal or something, and both teams get into the 40s, but 35-14, like, just straight up, did not see that coming, and I think anybody outside of this a, a blind faithful follower of the blue bombers would be lying if they say they did uh, very very disappointing for calgary fans great for winnipeg but for st. peters fans very disappointing
1: and a really impressive performance from the bombers to to force bolivic oh, yeah. with three interceptions and almost 200 yards on the ground with a quarterback a receiver and a running back it was it, it was a hell of a performance by winnipeg
4: oh it, it was they pulled out the gadgetry, the, the, whatever needed to be done. And I think the biggest thing was Zach Caleros didn't turn the ball over his numbers, nothing to, to brag about. But what he did was in his only second full game of this season, mm-hmm. he was able not turn the ball over. Strebler was scrambled in, got his touchdown. Andrew Harris. Really? When you look at what Andrew Harris has done to pretty much every other team was held in check. And it was all just enough. And it all added up to, well, that defense really shone out. And uh, it was Bo Levi's three interceptions that really proved to be be the difference. Like, just from a general interest, I know Stamps fans are hurting. But what a redemption story it would be if Zach Caleros was able to get to the Grey Cup. Like how, just like it would be a pretty cool story for all he's been through, being on his third team in one year.
1: Well, and especially to go through Mosaic and head back to Regina yeah. and beat the Riders. Yeah, I'm with Oof. you. Uh, I, uh, I I wouldn't mind seeing that myself. Um, your, uh, it's funny. We talked last week and we were setting up the, the semi semifinals and we both talked about, geez, you know, Trevor Harris has only started one game in two months. How's he going to be against the Alouettes in the East division semifinal? Apparently we didn't need to worry about Edmonton. No, no, uh, he, he was, he was fine. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's safe to say Trevor Harris was like,
4: you know what? I'm good. 421 yards. Like, If you want to put an exclamation point of, um, yeah, I'm fine. That's what you, and the completion percent, 92.3 completion percentage. Now, one of those misses was a pick, but man, like you want to talk about the Eskimos wanting to make a statement on the road. I'll be honest, my pick was the Montreal Alouettes. I thought what they had accomplished this season and had overcome, like it just seemed to be their year, but man, the, uh, the clock struck midnight on Vernon Adams Jr. and that team. Three picks, no touchdowns through the air. Like that's, they have the building blocks, I think, to add on next year. But boy, they, 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 they got found out real good by Edmonton.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I've been saying all year that that Eskimos team is a bit of a sleeping giant because I, I, I loved them coming coming into the season. I loved them in the first half. Obviously, the second half of the season was a big-time disappointment, but with the, some of those names they've got defensively and, and the playmakers they've got on offense, I, I don't think you can count them out at all as no. they head to Hamilton. What are What are your thoughts on the East and West Division Finals?
4: Well, when we look at, I think... Hamilton and on this week's third and long, uh, show, uh, just actually chatted today with with Dane Evans and we, uh, the Hamilton Tiger cats quarterback. And we talk about storylines and this year, it's the year of the backup quarterback and just people coming out of nowhere, like Dane Evans. And now it kind of makes sense. Cause I remember back Johnny Manziel, remember with Hamilton, it's like Dane Evans beat him out. Who the heck Dane Evans guy from Tulsa went to school in Tulsa from, from Sanger, Texas. Huh? dude's pretty good. Yeah, was really good. And so I got a chance to chat with him. We went behind the helmet and, and got to know Dane Evans a little bit um, in Hamilton. That is as nasty a place to play. as just about anywhere in this, in the Canadian football league. I'm going to say, I think the tie do pull it out. I think even though that Edmonton defense, that we saw what they could do, there's just too many weapons. And Dane Evans has gotten into the conversation. Like, think about this. This is a real conversation to stick with Dane Evans over Jeremiah Masoli did not, see that coming uh, a mile away so yeah. I'll go with the Ticats there and then in the West boy Winnipeg and Saskatchewan um, similar type of story as Dane Evans Cody Fajardo right like Cody Fajardo was a journeyman he was a, a third stringer he was a guy not even scout team he was just a guy and for him to be able to do what he did I'm going to go with the feel-good story and that Zach Calero. Get some redemption, marches into Saskatchewan and thinks, uh, yeah, remember me. I'll see y'all at the Great Cup.
5: Be
1: awesome to see if that would happen. Would be It'd really be cool. cool to see. Uh, Andy McNamara is with us. He's the host of Third and Long across the Sportsnet Radio Network and also our Sportsnet fantasy analyst. Let's change gears and take a look at Week 11 fantasy football in the NFL. And I love your top waiver wire pickup for Week 11. He's a running back in Atlanta. Tell us why Brian Hill is your number one waiver wire oh. target.
4: Yeah, I- I- absolutely no doubt about it. And usually there's some wiggle room with some sleepers and waiver wire pickups, especially this time of the year. You don't have too many actual studs that can pop out. And you can find that article right now. It just went up uh, probably about a a half an hour ago on sportsnet.ca. And I tweeted it out at AndyMC81 So the links there. Uh, Brian Hill is a different cat when it comes to a fill-in running back. Number one, you don't have the original backup in Ito Smith with Atlanta who is on the IR Devonta Freeman ankle looks like he's going to miss at least two weeks. So we know how injury prone he can be. The difference with Hill, this is a true dual threat, three down back. Usually the backups they are change of pace and they're being put in and out of, of situations that they're most comfortable with. This guy is six, 219 pounds who can burst through the line, break tackles like a big body guy would, but has the elusiveness of a much smaller back. And he had a uh, a receiving touchdown last week early. And I've been talking about this guy for three weeks to say, watch out for him. Watch out for three weeks. And and I believe it was in week eight, he got a touchdown. But Brian Hill, with the added cherry on top with Austin Hooper, who's been phenomenal at tight end for the Falcons, he's going to be out. So all of a sudden, you're getting top three down carries. And you can catch out of the backfield. And your nice safety net tight end, Hooper is out. This is going to be a, a, a huge day for Brian Hill. And he's going to be, he's owned in 6% of Yahoo leagues. He's a bargain next to nothing on your DraftKings contest. When you think about it, 4,800 bucks for, for a bell cow. Um, and I advise people, Pat, I said, look, if you're saving those auction dollars or your top waiver priority, you think, oh, I want to hold on. Nobody else this good is coming through the door. Spend it, get it, have them push you to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and uh, I won't lie. As soon as I watched the fantasy minute brought to you by Domino's, uh, I uh, immediately went in all three leagues and uh, uh, a put boy. a waiver claim <laughs> on Brian Hill. I like it a lot. Uh, you're also you're also feeling Darius Geis in Washington is a uh, Week 11 streamer option at running back. Hey,
4: yeah, you know what? And it's this is more of a projection, and there's a bit of a consolation prize if you can't get Brian Hill. I loved him coming out of the draft two years ago, but let's be honest. Two years in the NFL, two serious knee injuries on opposite knees. He's played one, one NFL regular season game. That's it. That, that's all. So I would have to think this is something we're going to have to track coaches' comments and and game flow as the, the weeks go on. But for this week, I would take a chance because if you're the Redskins, you have nothing to play for. You have the second-year running back. Adrian Peterson, we know what he is. There's no point in playing him. Uh, extra when you don't know what you have in Darius Geis. And this is a guy who is a absolute wrecking ball. I kind of consider him a little bit of a a smaller Leonard Fournette type where he just bashes. We're going to find out what the impact of those knee injuries is with his burst. He looked real good in the preseason before that injury, but as a projection, as someone who could get carries, as long as we don't hear anything coming in, of it's going to be a full committee, Chris Thompson's the other kind of X factor in that. I think Darius Geis can be a, very good pickup, and somebody at least that you want to stash and have a wait and see.
1: We're talking Week Eleven fantasy football with Sportsnet Fantasy Analyst Andy McNamara, and boy, has tight end been an absolute wasteland this year oh. in fantasy. I, I've never seen anything like it at the position. Uh, what What do you have advice wise for Week Eleven at the, the uh, absolute worst position in fantasy football?
4: Oh yeah, well we just mentioned Austin Hooper. It goes down right. Like it's like oh, okay. Like, this is, this is awful. Uh, George Kittle missed last night. He's not going to be at 100%. You have Evan Ingram, who was injured. He's on the bye week. So, where do you go? Now, one good piece of news is the Texans are off of the bye. So, you go, go back to Darren Fells, and I've been praising this guy for about a month, month and a half. Um, he is, he's picked up more so now. He's, he's not so under the radar, but there's somebody, if you're DraftKings or, uh, or if he is on your waiver wire. You can pop him into Sean Watson is finding him and he is a factor in the passing game. So you can't discount him. Now the safest play to me and people keep ignoring him. And I said it last week on my under the wire Sportsnet article, Jack Doyle, is Jack Doyle going to excite you? No. Like he's kind of like vanilla ice cream. It's good. Could you have something more exciting with sprinkles or chocolate sauce? Yes, but it, it's fine. This high floor for Jack Doyle is there. He's averaging uh, 11 and a half fantasy points in his last three games. He's got a touchdown in two straight. He's clearly separated himself from Eric Ebron. And he's, uh, he's taken in just over 52% of Yahoo leagues. The real value here, I think, is on the DFS side. You can get him for 4000 bucks. A guy who's proven to be quarterback-proof, right, Pat? Like yep. Hoyer got him a touchdown, and Brissett got him a touchdown.
1: Yep, that's uh, that's interesting that he's only he's that low on Darius you know? fantasy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, two final ones for you. What? Uh, where are your week eleven fantasy uh, streamer wide receiver uh, dollars going this week? Yeah.
4: So okay. So what I'm doing this is what I like to do sometimes is say, okay, where can you find value for the rest of the season long? So I'll give you I'll give you a, a, the streamer second. Darius Slayton is going to be the guy that people ignore on the Bible. You see bye, okay no no no.
0: Get him now
4: for the Giants. Sterling Shepard's season, it's in real jeopardy, guys. It's in real jeopardy with those concussions. Ingram's been banged up. And what do you like to see with a rookie quarterback? They find a safety net. They find that little, little warm, comfy blanket. And for Daniel Jones, that's Darius Slayton. He still only owned 11% of Yahoo leagues. He went for over 34 fantasy points. Last week, 24-plus in Week 8. He's got multiple touchdowns in each of those games. So you can, you can bring him on as a depth-wide receiver ad that you can pop in uh, for your push to the playoffs or have as a depth guy in case of an injury. Absolutely love it. I will say this, for a streamer, look at James Washington for the Steelers. pains me to say as a Browns fan, they're playing in Cleveland on Thursday. But this guy, again, with that safety blanket type thing for young quarterbacks with Mason Rudolph, They've developed that chemistry over the last two, three weeks, and he's been climbing, especially in PPR format. It's going to be cold in Cleveland, but those short little outlets, especially with the Browns, going to be focusing on stopping the run, James Washington's that quick little out. So you can look and uh, try to stream him for Week 11.
1: And finally, there's there's really, if you're looking uh, to stream uh, defense special teams this week, there's mm-hmm. really only one way. It's got to be Oakland against Cincinnati, right?
4: J- you just have to. Like, this is not it's not difficult. Sometimes people overthink it. So if you took the strategy of during your draft, okay, I'm just going to uh, take one defense and I'll just pick up and drop as the season go on. It's a dangerous game, but it, it, it can be successful. What you do is you follow the bad team. So this year you're following teams that are playing Miami and who are playing Cincinnati. Those are the two back and forth. Washington's another one that you can go back and forth with. Well, You look at Miami, they've won two in a row. I'm not scared of the Dolphins, don't get me wrong, but the Bengals are just god-awful. And Watch where they're playing. You're taking Ryan Finley in his second start to the black hole in Oakland after the Raiders just put up 17 fantasy points and smacked around Phil Rivers and the Chargers. Last time I checked, Phil Rivers is a borderline Hall of Famer. You're not going to take that against Ryan (laughs) Finley, <laughs> like this could be just a gross, just just reap the benefits
1: of that fantasy matchup,
4: and and that they're only owned in five percent of Yahoo. He's like, go get him now.
1: Yep, yep. I'm Come completely on. with you. It's uh, it's a really, really easy choice as to your DST for uh, week eleven. Great stuff as always, Andy. We'll do it again next week. Appreciate the insight as always, man.
4: Oh, absolutely, Pat. Pleasure. Thank you.
1: Sandy McNamara, he's our Sportsnet Fantasy Analyst and the host of Third and Long across the Sportsnet Radio Network. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, the same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: This Steinberg Show, brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House. It's Voltsfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. 5
1: Almost Grey Cup week in Calgary. We look ahead to the East and West Division Finals on Sunday. We'll find out who is competing in the 107th Grey Cup and then great cup week descends on our city. Unfortunately, no Calgary Stampeders. We found that a couple of days ago on the West Division semifinal, but it's still going to be a week-long party in our city. And part of that party will be the Canadian Football League Players Association, CFLPA, will be represented at Finn McCool's in eau claire uh they're going to be holding court during gray cup week from november 21st to 23rd and uh, we're going to be broadcasting live on locations uh live on location all three of those days from finn mccool's let's welcome in brian ramsey who is the executive director of the cflpa mr ramsey a pleasure to have you on the show how are you
6: thanks ben. i'm doing very well thank how
1: are you i'm doing very well uh i guess uh tell us about your i mean gray cup week's almost here how excited are you
6: well, I think it's just an exciting time of year. I mean, after we've, we're coming through to a conclusion of a, of a great season and, and the games on this past weekend uh, were evident of that. And, and then, you know, we're, we're planning and, and preparing to, uh, to be part of that festival that is, that is great. Camp.
1: Well, tell us about what to expect uh, when the PA holds court at Finn McCool's for three days uh, next week.
6: You know there are a number of events, and and one of the things that we've uh, made an effort in the last couple of years is to, uh, to to just be a bit more visible. So our player reps from other teams and that, that aren't partaking in the game, we we do hold meetings and have some association business that we take care of there, and and we've included a number of events the last last couple of years, uh, including the the players' headquarters. Going to be at Fin McCool's there, as you mentioned, and. Uh, some events where we can get out and get into the community and get into uh, uh, just expanding on that relationship with our great fans across our league that end up joining for great Cup.
1: So when you talk about uh, players headquarters, like we're talking about some of the, the best names in the CFL hanging out at Finn McCool's. Is that right?
6: And yeah. And what we do is uh, in the afternoons, after we do our morning meetings and, and morning events, we we set up and, and we're, we're, set up in, at Finn McCools this year from you know one to five for those three afternoons and and it's an opportunity to sit down and just just have a chat with the players and uh and, and we're there to talk the doors are open for everybody it's family friendly and they uh, come by we'll have a group of players constantly uh, available to sign autographs and uh and just talk about the the league the teams and and the 2019 season well
1: and, and that's that's what makes this league what it is hey the the accessibility and the the fan interaction and and how accessible the players
6: are right well, i think that's you know a compliment to our to our league and our players. Our players are phenomenal when it comes to um, being generous with their time. I, I look at the week and I was looking at the itinerary this morning again and, and, and whether it's the, the hospital visit that we're doing on the Thursday with our group of players that have committed to flying in early before the meetings um, on, on Thursday morning. We, we were holding our fifth annual youth camp on the, on the Saturday morning and, and that's for 100, 120 local kids no charge and it's our players that are are there, there for, for meetings have um, put this camp on the last number of years and, and albeit it's been a bit chilly the last, last year and we anticipate maybe a bit chilly this year but it's just a great event to uh, where we get our players out and uh, and run around with some kids on a Saturday morning.
1: So let's just say, for, for sake of this conversation, that uh, you're a Riders fan living in Calgary. There might be one or two of them. And let's just say that the Riders lose on Sunday to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and they're not playing in the Grey Cup. If you're a Riders fan, you could potentially come down and, and get an autograph and meet one of your favorite players, correct?
6: Yeah, there's uh, players representing each team in our league. We'll, we'll be there. So there, uh, fans from each, every team are invited to come down Uh, the the different events, like I said, whether it's at players headquarters where we uh, at the hotel, they were hosting our meeting. So that'll be our home base for the week and and our players will be constantly around there. But um, the the different events will be represented by, uh, by players from each club for sure.
1: Well, looking forward to it. Once again, players' headquarters for the CFLPA will be Finn McCool's in Eau Claire, November 21st to 23rd. Sportsnet 960 going to be broadcasting on location those th- that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Opportunity to hear from some of the best and brightest in the CFL. Uh, you can get down there. Uh, all the CFLPA events are open to the public and uh, are very much built on fan interaction. Where can we find out a little bit more, Brian?
6: CFLPA.com. Uh, is our home website and I have all the the agenda, the itinerary, and all the information there. And, and as you mentioned, that uh, our events are open to the public, um, and there are a number. I've only touched on a few of them, but there are a number in the, in, for all aspects and all ages. So uh, we, we encourage people to look them up and, and look forward to seeing everyone that week in Calgary.
1: CFLPA.com is the website. Come join us at Finn McCool's November 21st to 23rd, and join the CFLPA at Players' Headquarters. Brian, thank you so much for doing this today. We'll see you out here in Calgary in about a week.
6: Thanks very much. See you
1: soon. That is Brian Ramsey, the Executive Director of the CFLPA on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show on this Tuesday afternoon. Don't forget the Flames back in action tomorrow night. And note the start time 7.30 for a Wednesday night game against the Dallas Stars. We're on the air at 6. Little Media Roundtable, 6 30 for Calgary Flames warm-up. Also, leading up to that, a little chat with one of the best and brightest in the majors. Just happens to be from Calgary. Just happens to pitch for the Atlanta Braves. Mike Soroka joining Pinder for the final two segments of the final 5 o'clock hour uh, tomorrow as well. So, lots to look forward to on your Wednesday afternoon and evening. Don't forget, Fridays it's Lou's Mailbag. As part of Hockey Central at noon, get your questions in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. If your question gets read on the air, you're going to win a pair of lower bowl tickets to an upcoming Flames game and a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Lose Mailbags brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse primetime menu featuring two courses for $44 available daily before 630 and anytime on Sundays. Ruth's. Chris Steakhouse. We have not touched on it really yet this afternoon. Pinder and Steinberg kicks off next with thoughts on Don Cherry's firing by Sportsnet. We get it going in just a few minutes. Sportsnet 960, the fan.